I'm not going to, I don't know how to turn it off. So since I don't know how to turn it off, I'm not going to turn it on. And that makes me feel comfortable and powerful to be able to acknowledge the limitations of my own uh, personality. Yeah. I, I try to offer myself up oftentimes when I'm in the middle of trying to settle a dispute between children as, as an example, like, look, I'm tell you right now, if she said that to me, I'll be feeling some kind of way. And if you said that to me, I'll be feeling some kind of way. So here's what I think. If you don't have hands, you shouldn't have mouth. <laughs> I, I, my, my mind is like going in five places. And, I, and I've seen that as an administrator. I've seen it as a teacher. And I've seen myself be because I came into teaching from engineering from a different world. I my first couple of years, I was a hothead. So, you know, these young men in my class. Join their tough to everybody, man, Branch, you better get the F out of my face. My immature adultness was like, make me. Th that's the worst to tell a yeah. teenager something like yeah. that. I, I know it now in the moment. I was like. Well, if he said it, I mean, obviously he meant it. So like, and I realized looking back, I'm like, oh yeah, I was carrying my own stuff. Like I was flashing back to somebody threatening me and I, and I'm, I'm talking to an adult, I'm talking to a kid. Right. And I realized that, okay, Chauncey, well, I had a couple of administrators say, Chauncey, you can't tell them that you can't say, make me like, even though you may want to say, make me, that's not what you talk. That's how you talk to kids. And I, I, and I look back and I'm like, oh yeah, I was, that was not good. But I, in the moment, I was a hothead from Oakland, teaching and kids from Oakland. And I'm like, you don't really mean that. Hello, and welcome to the Taking Off the Mask podcast. My name is Ashanti Branch, and I'm really glad you joined us. Today's guest is Dr. Steve Perry. He's an educator, he's an author, and he's a founder and head of schools of Capital Preparatory Schools. When I asked him to introduce himself, he just said, I'm an educator, and the rest you'll find out on your own. And that was really beautiful. What a beautiful conversation to have with a man who I've been watching on TV and, and after the advent of social media, on social media. In so many ways, I was inspired. You know, as a... Those of you who know my story, you know I came from engineering to become a teacher. I never planned to be a teacher. I never planned to be an educator. But when I became an educator, I knew that me teaching in the classroom was not all that I was created to do. I knew that it was where I needed to be at the moment, but I knew there was more. When I began seeing educators who were building amazing schools, who were transforming the lives of young people, it inspired me. And Dr. Z. Perry is one of those who I was inspired by who I still, to this day, am inspired by. He and I are going to present at a conference coming up, and I reached out to him to see if I could uh, invite him to be a, in this conversation on this podcast. You know, one of the things that, as an educator, uh, this work is hard work. Teaching is hard work. Administration is hard work. Being in a school around young people who are trying to develop who they are as an adult already is hard work. You know, when we reached out to his team to have this conversation, you know, they made time to be a part of this podcast. And I remember in education, sometimes when I was reaching out to folks, like it was not so kind. It was not so nice. It was not so 
supportive. When I started the Ever Forward Club, I thought that, hey, I'm trying to do this good thing for the community. Man, people are going to just come and help, and they're going to come and get involved. And I remember this one time, you know, we had been thinking about taking our young men on a college tour, and I was like, okay, how are we going to fundraise for that? How are we going to do that? But I saw this um, video of a teacher local here in the Bay Area um, who had taken kids on a college tour, and it was on the news. I was like, oh, wait a minute. I can reach out to that person and get some advice and get some tips. And I did, you know, I went into the whatever the World Wide Web was. There was no social media back then. I think Google existed, but you know, this is old school, right? So this is maybe just ask Jeeves or something. I don't even know how I found the guy's phone number. There was, uh, but I found the number and I got him on the phone and I was like, hey, you know, I, I'm running this circle of boys here, young men here in San Lorenzo. And um, I would like your help because I saw this article about you going on this college tour. And I remember just in the response, feeling like this educator who had obviously done good work. He had had good connection. He'd been taking these kids on this tour for 20 years. He, he said something like, and it, I don't know the exact words, but here's what the intent of the words were. I can't really tell you my contacts at these universities because I don't want you to mess up my connections. I mean, that is basically what he said. Because when I left that phone, I felt almost like deflated. I remember hanging up the phone. I hung up the phone, and in my mind, I was like, what? Like, why Why wouldn't he be willing to help? Like, he's doing great work. I want to do great work here. He's not taking my students on his trip, so I want to take my kids on a trip, but do I got to, like, find all new contacts And if somebody already has contacts? And I think that sometimes, in not only in the nonprofit space, but just sometimes in education, it's operating on the scarcity model that I'm going to hold on to mine and you get yours. And I truly believe there's enough. I I don't have enough, <laughs> but I truly believe that there is enough. I mean, we live in the Bay Area here. Like, I, I, I almost sometimes feels like the work is another level of the work. The work of building a nonprofit, the work of educating students, the work is like so much more than just that work because you have to fund it all. You have to like make sure you have the right um, teams built together. You have to make sure you have the right supports in the community. And I think sometimes it gets overcomplicated. In today's conversation, you're going to hear just Dr. Perry and I just kind of break down those masks and those walls. We didn't make a mask like traditionally the mask made, right? We we had a short amount of time to really have this conversation. And it was a beautiful conversation about heart, about experiences, about family, about education, about saving and serving the lives of our young people who need us. He talks about a metaphor that maybe you will appreciate, but this idea that our some of our communities are like called like a war zone. They're the ghettos and the urban areas that are lots of chaos is happening all the time. And just imagine that one, it's just one notch away from being all out chaos. I mean, some of the people who live there feel the chaos every day, but, but there's, there's, there's degrees to the chaos. I'm so excited to be in this conversation with Dr. Perry. 
uh, you'll hear my excitement. I mean, I, I I wasn't I didn't hold back a lot of my excitement for being able to finally meet him, uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing him face to face coming up soon in uh, Temecula, California. So, um, thank you for being a part of this podcast. Listen, if you know any educators who can benefit from these conversations, please go and um, give us a rating, give us a comment, your comments and ratings and your subscription to this podcast helps us to get the word out to more people. And we're getting really close to episode 100. And so what we're asking you to do is to help us get the word out, give, leave us a review. Um, we ask you to help more people learn about this podcast, share it with somebody. And I think that this work is going to continue to grow. And I think lately, Somehow, not planned. We've been talking to several educators over the last several weeks, and I think there's a there's a shift happening. Not even intentional, but there's a shift happening in uh, educators who we need to be talking to. Because if you're paying any attention to what's happening in our schools, our schools need uh, educators, and there's such a lack of male educators um, that we may need to do something about that too. So. Uh, we so appreciate you for being a part of this journey with us. You can make your mask anonymously at millionmask.org. And we look forward to seeing you real soon. Take care, folks. I'm not sure if it was after you started your first school or but I saw you. I've seen you so many times on on TV, on I think it was even before internet was social media was out there but i just want you to know i'm um i've been inspired by you and the work you're doing to help kids um so thank you for the work you're doing brother brown that really means a lot to me i i don't want to i don't want to skip that um because it is so easy to go on the internet or anywhere quite frankly and find cats who can tell you why you suck um and question your integrity. And so I don't want, uh, I don't want what you said to go uh, unnoticed. And then as men um, in general, as black men in particular, um, it ain't easy for us. Uh, we have all kinds of hangups around, uh, quite frankly, gender identity. Um, because if we are too kind to someone, then people question our sexuality. Um, and so I don't want your uh, statement to, to go unnoticed, not because it's about me as much as it is about us, that if we don't acknowledge one another, um, then who will? Um, so thank you sincerely. Yeah. It's a real pleasure to meet you. I'm looking forward to seeing you in Cali as well. Me too, man. I, I um, when I saw that you were gonna be there, I was like, oh, I'm going a day early. Like, I'm, I'm going, I'm coming, I'm coming in. Like, I was so excited. And I think you know one of the things I thought I think about learning education. So look, I um, I started as a teacher, as an engineer, and then I became a teacher. And so education called me. I didn't plan education. Like, I wanted to be rich. You know, like that was my plan. And uh, they told me if you're good at math, you should be engineer, right? And so I think that journey took me to engineering. And then I was like. I started tutoring in Upper Bound, and I realized... Oh, Upper Bound? You know I went to Upper Bound, right? Oh, no, I didn't know that. I was an Upper Bound student, and then I started in Upper Bound, and then the Upper Bound is a foundation for the school that we started. Let's see. How, will you do, just for folks who may not know fully who you are, will you give a quick overview of what you do, and then we're going to talk about these masks. I think mostly our show is about 
it's not an interview. It's just you and you and me kind of talking. I mean, I think as educators talking about how do we support student, all students, but primarily in this work of our young men, a space to like take off those emotional masks where they pretend like they got it all figured out when they don't. And that usually causes them to hold back getting help early enough or soon enough when they realize something's going on, you know? I don't know that, you know, the, the most important thing I think for your viewers to know is that I'm an educator like you. Um, anything else that becomes relevant will be found out through the course of the conversation. <laughs> well, shoot. Every time, every time I see you on Oprah, I'm like, <laughs> I can't wait to meet that man. Every time I see you with Dr. Jake, TD, I mean, I, I've seen you in places that I'm like, oh, one day I'm going to meet him. Like, I, I think that as an educator who came to this work, not to not to be a teacher, but to tr help transform education, like to see educators who are out doing that work, it is inspiring because we're a small little nonprofit here, but we are trying to do mighty work. And I think that opportunity for connection is sometimes hard, right? It, it was way harder before social media, right? I, I had no way of being able to reach you before the Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, like at least in some ways I can, you know, try and find somebody that way. But before I was like, one day, one day I'll be in the right room in the right space because ultimately education is hard. Teaching is hard, you know, yeah. like leading a school. I, I've only been an assistant principal up to that level, but it's hard work. And it's it is, it is, it is. And, you know, to, to begin the conversation around uh, emotional masks, I was having a conversation with one of my sons this morning as he was preparing to go to school. Um, he attends, he's a senior at, at one of our schools. And um, so we're talking about how so many of us men, we've never developed the emotional language to communicate our actual feelings. So we say things like, I don't care when we care. Um, we take hurt and turn it into rage. Yeah. Um, we take confusion and, and, and turn it into an opportunity for aggression. Um, we, we act as if our broken heart is the most offensive thing that anyone could ever do. And that's supported by the women we love. Yeah. Uh, so many women, so many moms have buoyed this poisonous, toxic masculinity with their own challenges around understanding what it is and isn't to be a man. I don't fault them for it. I just recognize that it is so. So it's hard in large part, especially in the hood, because of the unbridled violence of our community. Yeah. You hear outside my we live in a very, 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 very violent, just short of war zone. The next click over is a war. You, you, you get right to the edge of it. And that's the end of what in a civilized society we refer to as a, a, a hood a ghetto but if you just go one more click to the just one more click to the right and it's a war 
It's actually a war. You actually, one could argue in some communities, it is an actual declared war. One colored group of a different color group separated by war machines with war weapons and all fueled, that's not fair to say all, but fueled in large part by uh, a dissonance that makes people so uncomfortable with just saying, man, you hurt my feelings when you said that, without, without addressing the fear of being called a bitch for doing it. Um, someone always having to leave a disclaimer that ends with, I will hurt you. So yeah. the complexity of our work is uh, risen yeah. because you first have to decipher. So are you really angry or are you hurt? Yeah. Yeah. And, ang- and hurt and anger is a cover up for a lot of feelings. Right. Anger and where I lived in Oakland growing up was like, if you're angry enough, Angry anger deals with embarrassment because you didn't get that phone number. And anger deals with break heartbreak because you got broke up with. Anger deal anger deals with sadness because something happened, but you can't show sadness. Fear because you're afraid. Like anger usually is you what we found I've seen is cover up all these other emotions. It's like the it's like the default, right? It is. And it it's not just us. It's not just black and Latin people. It's not just poor people. 48 hours are all want us to catch a killer. They always got some husband killing somebody's wife. And, and I'm not even, I'm not making light of it. I'm, I'm pointing out the fact that this is too typical for it to be something that we don't pause and say, damn, you know, that is right though. Wow. I mean, I've been mad at my wife, but to kill her. Mm -hmm. So if you think of so many of the people who are killed in America, if you even include mass murders, but if you include the people doing the killing, you'll find it's mainly men who are angry and who are dealing with what they struggle to understand, um, which is their own emotional issue. If you look at many up, I mean, the Columbine shooters went to that high school. Uh, Marjorie, Marjorie Stone Douglas went to the high school. Uh, Sandy Hook went to that uh, elementary school. Um, Rob Elementary went to that school. I mean, it, it is rare that you find someone murdering strangers. And then if you look in our own community, I was in um, a couple of years ago. It's more than a couple. But... I was in New Orleans and the former mayor and I were having a conversation and he said that he's got reams of binders, six inch binders in his office on the floor of murders in New Orleans. He said, but here's the point. Most of them played youth football together, Mm. basketball together, and so the intimacy of murder in our communities cannot be overlooked. And I hasten to guess that it has something to do with people's 
inability to deal with their emotions. You got to go pretty far to kill somebody. I mean, killing somebody is pretty far. Like you've gone pretty far to kill somebody, you know, yeah, I mean, we act like it ain't no thing, but it's really a thing. Like you really, you just took somebody's life, homie. Yeah, yeah. And one of the things that even in, in that idea of like not only killing somebody, what I when you talk about the war zone, the, the image I came up with, and I talk about with educators, I said, look, for a lot of young men, if you have been suppressing, stuffing, if you have stuffed so many things and emotions, like there's you can stuff for a while. But there's only so much you can stuff. Like after you get to the breaking point, you're like a landmine. You're like walking around and no one knows what thing they're going to say to you. They're going to step on your foot on accident. They're going to look at your girl, your partner. And now you've lost you've lost it as an emotional overload of stuff you just never dealt with when it could have been dealt with in smaller doses. And I think that's what we see in this war zone. You talk about in this in our in our communities where violence is happening like i'm overloaded and now it's going to come out i mean we saw it i mean we saw it we saw it on the, the uh, <laughs> we saw it at the oscars right i mean we saw it we saw emotions pop out in a way i mean this is people with plenty of resources and and money for therapy and trips around the world but how emotions how do we take the 12 year olds never left his home Never enough his community to be navigating all those emotions that have been stuffed for so long. And I wonder how do we help more of our young people? Because, you know, education is we're seeing it in education. We're seeing it in schools all over the country. Right. How do we help young people to recognize you're not alone? Like, and that's what we talk about with these masks. When we make them, we invite them to make them because we want them to see other people in here are going through what you're going through. But we all got to get these good masks we put on and we smile and say, I'm fine. I'm good. Like you said, oh, I'm. I'm I'm cool. I'm cool. I ain't. And then we know you can see it on your face. You're not cool, but you try to tell everybody you are. But yeah. You know, and then all of a sudden, you, two days later, it just comes out, and you're like, "I was I checked in with you. What happened?" And they don't have the safety or comfort to talk about it. That's what it is. It's you know you talked about the safety or comfort, but it really is insecurity. Think about how insecure you have to be to want to put your hands on another man for looking at you. Yeah. Let that sit in. How insecure of a person do you have to be to be offended to the point of risking your life because somebody looked at you or somebody says something about you? Think about insecure you have to be. Excuse me. I don't as a, a couple celebrities involved in some feuds now, and sometimes I happen upon some of them. I maybe know them through some other part of my life. And I find myself at times saying, bruh, I promise you this is some first world stuff right here, bro. Like this right here, that person is not going to take any food off your plate. You don't need this. And and the worst thing that could happen to insecure people is the Internet, because you could feel like the whole world's coming for you. Yeah, I, I have been um, I have been uh, in firestorms and I know what it feels like to be in the middle of that thinking, you know, wanting to respond. 
Mm. And then realizing that, you know, if I just turn my phone off, you're actually not talking to me anymore. <laughs> like you actually, you actually are not talking. You can say all caps and whatever emojis and whatever you want to do. But the only thing is going to happen is I'm going to turn my phone back on and I'm going to block you. And if we, if we treated interactions more like we can do on social media, I know that everyone wants to hate on uh, Elon, but there's something to be said for a platform that will allow you to essentially say, I'm not talking to you anymore, ever again. And that's that. <laughs> so it, you can, a lot of times when I'm talking to kids, I'll tell them how I'm sensitive. I don't, I don't joke. Like I'm not that guy. I'm not going to, I'm not going to clown you. Cause if you say something to me, I think you're serious and I'm going to react in kind. So there's that. When I was younger, I tell them, um, I didn't slap box. If you hit me, that means we're fighting. If you look like you're going to hit me, that means we're fighting. If you say you're going to hit me, that means we're fighting. So the slap boxing thing means fight to me. Mm. And I try to share with them that I know that those are my triggers. And since I know that they're my triggers, yeah. I don't need to lie to you or me. Yeah. I'm not going to make fun of you. I'm not going to talk about you because I don't want you to talk about me. If you talk about me, I'm not going to, I don't know how to turn it off. So since I don't know how to turn it off, I'm not going to turn it on. And that makes me feel comfortable and powerful to be able to acknowledge the limitations of my own uh, personality. Yeah. I, I try to offer myself up oftentimes when I'm in the middle of trying to settle a dispute between children as, as an example, like, look, I'm tell you right now, if she said that to me, I'll be feeling some kind of way. And if you said that to me, I'll be feeling some kind of way. So here's what I think. If you don't have hands, you shouldn't have mouth. <laughs> I, I, my, my mind is like going in five places. And, I, and I've seen that as an administrator. I've seen it as a teacher. And I've seen myself be because I came into teaching from engineering from a different world. I my first couple of years, I was a hothead. So, you know, these young men in my class. Join their tough to everybody, man, Branch, you better get the F out of my face. My immature adultness was like, make me. That's the worst to tell a yeah. teenager something like yeah. that. I, I know it now in the moment I was like. Well, if he said it, I mean, obviously he meant it. So like, and I realized looking back, I'm like, oh yeah, I was carrying my own stuff. Like I was flashing back to somebody threatening me and I, and I'm, I'm talking to an adult, I'm talking to a kid. Right. And I realized that, okay, Chauncey, well, I had a couple of administrators say, Chauncey, you can't tell them that you can't say, make me like, even though you may want to say, make me, that's not what you talk. That's how you talk to kids. And I, I, and I look back and I'm like, oh yeah, I was, that was not good. But I, in the moment, I was a hothead from Oakland teaching and kids from Oakland. And I'm like, you don't really mean that. You, you're saying that. But I didn't have an off switch, too. I, I mean, I had an off switch. I wasn't going to fight, but I would. But it's a point is it. Listen. Uh, so earlier this year. 
I had a health issue um, and I was back from ICU. I had left on, let's say, a Friday and then I was back in the school on Monday and um, in one of our schools. And I came down, I'm walking down the stairs uh, that Friday, the following Friday, a week after being ICU, walking down the stairs. And one of our uh, staffers was running past me, Miss Miss Watt. Miss Watts running past me, and I said, "Where are you going?" And she said, "There's a fight." I'm like, "There's a fight? What are you running for?" So I run down past her, and I get outside, and there's this dude. He's like six two, six three, like two fifty, and there's one of my little girls. She's a seventh grader, and this dude is trying to beat up my little girl. And so, I mean, right? Yeah. This thing unties. Like, this yeah. is not, this is not an indication. This is a uniform. Yeah. And so, we all grow up with an accent. We all grow up speaking a language, an emotional language. And then the longer yeah. we stay in that emotional language, the, yeah. the harder it is to learn a new one. Mm. And it is often the case. I, again, I work really hard to teach this to my sons. I'm not saying I'm great at it. I'm just saying I'm working at doing it where my kids as well. Just warning people, hey. I, that really doesn't feel good. I'm going to need you to stop. Yeah, you're still doing it. I just want to point out to you that it's still bothering me. Please yeah. stop. And then it reminds me of David Banner when he would say, you're not going to like me when I'm angry. And there's a point at which mm. it is not a mask. It is what I really look like. Yeah. Yeah. And it is me asking you to please stop. Like, we don't have to do it this way. I'm very comfortable with what you want to do, but I just want you to know that my off switch is broken. So I'm trying to regulate the on switch. Yeah. And it's not because I'm bulletproof, but it's just that I am prepared to take the conversation into whatever direction you wish, which for me, yeah. honestly, should be like, hey, you know what? And so in that situation here, I am engaged with this brother yeah um saying him dog like are you serious right now yeah so it we all have developed emotional responses Mm. to stimuli we all have and because we all have we have to be mindful of them and and if we care about children for instance then what we can do is to converse with them about just how having a feeling does not warrant the use of that feeling. Just because you feel rage, it doesn't mean you get to be rage filled. Right. Right. You know, I, I think that we could talk for hours and we don't have hours. So listen, I, I first of all, I want to just thank you for making time to be here with us. I, I think this movement and I'm looking forward to, like having seen you face to face, but I'm really want to just thank you for making time. And I think as an educator who has now come to run this nonprofit and to really try and support schools on the outside, working with teachers, I just want you to know that you inspire me. And I, I wish we had more time, but I do hope that in the future we will 
get you back for another conversation. And I, I think that I think these masks that would that that thing that happened at the school, the things that happened with your son at the, this morning, it's opportunity for us to, as educators to really talk about our own mask. And then people can once we are willing to go first, I think sometimes then it helps people be willing to say, oh, OK, I got some of that, too. Right. So thank you for being here. Is there any I, I'm, I'm going to link all your stuff in the in the show notes. But is there anything you want to let people know as you head out of here today? <laughs> I run schools. You you work with, in the community. I'm not selling anything, brother. I I just want more good dudes like you to be in front of our children. And I am uh, I'm often turned off by some of the Insta educators um, or the so-called intellectuals who wouldn't know much about the work we do because they're stuck on platitudes. For me, um, I'm humbled and honored by the opportunity that you've given me and that I've been given to be part of a larger conversation. And, and I, I'll share with you as we part a really quick story. So years ago, I, when things started to take off and, some of the visibility things started to happen, um, which was not the plan. Um, nobody goes to social work. Well, I didn't go to social work school to, to be on television. Um, seems like a really long way to make that happen. Um, but I remember speaking in Ohio, Toledo, actually, at an organization um, named UMADOP. I don't know what it stands for, but UMADOP. And UMADOP, in part, as its services was an organization that worked with um, ex-offenders. And so there I am speaking at this uh, at this hotel, um, and they were very, very kind to me. And after I was done, a couple of brothers came up and said, brother, you know, you really inspired us. And them saying that to me moved me as it does always because I understand the weight of the statement. I know how much it took to say that um, and to see that they are so much more emotionally advanced than I am made me even more humbled. And so I went upstairs to the room that they had gotten me, which is bigger than a room I had ever had before. And I thought I, I actually got on my knees and I said, God, why of all of the sand on the beach, did you pick me to take on the responsibility of being among those who do this work? I think that uh, the most one of the most important parts of the experience that I have as an educator is to constantly be humbled by the challenge that we're faced with. And anyone who thinks that they're an expert is an idiot. Um, this is uh, there's so much guesswork in this stuff that yeah. the degrees don't even really mean thing because I stopped using what I learned in college so long ago that I'm. I, I can't believe I stopped using what I learned in college long before I was done paying them back for teaching me. So 
you keep doing what you're doing, little bro. And uh, I look forward to seeing you in uh, California very, very soon. I'm looking forward to it, man. Be well. Thank you for your time. All right, peace. Taking Off The Mess podcast is produced by Ryan Louie. Editing, videography is also by Ryan Louie. Graphics by Kelly Wong. And a special thanks to the team at Ever Forward, Vanessa Cortez and Kevin Romero. And I'd like to thank everyone who's been a part of the creation of this podcast. As we hit this one-year anniversary, we hope that everyone who's been a part knows that they're a part of the Taking Off the Mask experience. And we look forward to you being a part of it as well. If you liked what you heard today, please like, subscribe, and share. And we look forward to us continuing to offer conversations that matter. Take care. See you soon.